0: Okay, Adam. Uh, Great to meet you. Great having you um, having you available to interview with us. Um, Just start with uh, where you live and your name and
1: what you do Um, for a living. (laughs) For a living. Uh, My name is Adam Luloff. Live in Cedar Falls, Iowa. Uh, For money, one of the things I do for money currently is I am a chef at a country club, a golf club. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's my main source of time spent, I guess you will, if you will.
0: Right. Right.
1: I was a cook, too. I was a cook in uh,
0: Short Order in Victoria, B.C. for a couple of well, three years. It was hard, man. Some of
1: the hardest work I've done, for sure. Right, right. can get a little stressful at times. So. Yeah. Time flies, though, when it's busy. <laughs> yeah, it does.
0: Um uh, so uh do you have an AS diagnosis?
1: Yeah, I do. I was I was told by a doctor, um rheumatologist a couple of what was it about oh, three years ago, um that I had this condition called ankylosing spondylitis and you know he gave me kind of the rundown as to what Western medicine's view of that diagnosis is, and kind of since then, I have been trying to figure it out. I guess I've been trying to figure it out for a long time, just because I've dealt with different symptoms for such a long time. I want to say probably 12 to 15 years, somewhere in that range. And how did it start? What did you start feeling 12 years ago, 13 years ago? Um, it all kind of started at the same time. It was like um, pain in my hands, pain in my back. Where in your back? And hips. Uh, the kind of lower back. That was moderate stuff. And then it really started to like flare up into sciatica. Mm -hmm. lots of sciatica hip hip problems and to the point where i couldn't really walk straight walk without having to favor it there was mornings where i woke up and it took me probably like five minutes to get out of bed or a couple minutes just to roll over in bed and yeah it wasn't fun (laughs) by any means and it was uh Pretty, like, debilitating. Not so much physically. I mean, physically I felt it. And I was always, like, kind of had to will myself and determine myself to get up and move around. But there was a lot of, like, thoughts that said, a lot of emotional thoughts that were attached to that pain and feeling like there was nothing I could do about it. So as a result, what did I do? I went to the doctor and, you know, got started, started to get sent through the ringers of, you know, okay, it could, we don't know exactly what causes this stuff. It could be this, it could be that. So let's start trying things. And man, I don't even want to think about all the different pathways I went down to try and. Through the, problem, through the through the uh, traditional Western medicine. Oh, okay, right, right.
0: And how how old were you when when it started, and
1: how old were you when you were diagnosed? So, AS symptoms specifically probably started. Um, I want to say. About four years ago. How how old were you? Well, 31. 31 when it started? When Yeah. When the AS symptoms started, I had different pains in different parts of my body. Well before that. That probably was for about 12 years. But I was diagnosed about a year to a year and a half after the... Uh, the um, the upper back, you know, the thoracic spine stuff, and the the neck and shoulders and all that stuff started to come yeah. up. So. so, what what was that other stuff
0: twelve years ago? You think that's completely unrelated, or do you think it's kind of related in some way?
1: Oh, I think it's totally related. Um, you know, I I look at it as TMS, uh, and I don't know. I can give you an acronym that? for what TMS stands for. Right. Tension mitosis syndrome or some M word. I don't, I don't even know if that's right. But um, that's what I attribute it to is repressed negative emotion. Okay. And how did you come to that conclusion? Um, I read I read, uh, Healing Back Pain by John Sarno. Right. A book that was recommended to me through um, Ralph's website or Ralph's uh, Facebook group. And it kind of really was an eye-opener for me. And I started to make a lot of connections between my thoughts and what was happening in my body. I even started to go backwards and remember specific moments in my life and how those moments had certain emotions tied to them, which led to certain thoughts. And kind of perpetuated the process. And I mean, one, one scenario in particular was going to a hand surgeon um, for something that's called De Quervain Syndrome. It's where you have a chronic inflammation in your thumb tendon. And I dealt with that for over a year or longer. And... My family doctor said that was like the the worst um, case he's ever seen. Because I couldn't touch my thumb to my pinky finger. Mm. Like It was so tight in that area. So I got surgery. And I still was dealing with pain, problems in my hands. And um, <laughs> I had gone through the wrist surgery, whatever. And I remember one day I got into it with my brother. Like we got into a verbal argument, which we do a lot. It's just kind of, we're getting past that now. But it's a thing where back in the day, we used to get into really heated, angry arguments. And I was a couple months after surgery. My hand was kind of feeling better, but not exactly. And we got into a scuffle, like one of the more physical scuffles that we've ever gotten into. And this is by the time, you know, we're in our early 20s now. And... He 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 meant he made a comment like where's you as we're wrestling he's like where's your where's your wrist I'm gonna you know made some kind of comment like he was gonna grab my wrist and hurt it and that just like ignited a fire into me where I just started like I I got off you know got off of him and just started punching him in the ribs and I, and if you just had wrist surgery the last thing that you should probably be doing is punching somebody in the ribs but anyway. That fight calmed down and like the next day, it was weird because I had been experiencing low back pain and sciatica, you know, all through this time period. My back felt so good the next day. And I was like, what the heck? You know, at the time, I slightly made the connection that there was something going on that was causing me to feel better. I thought maybe it was just because I got a workout in. And that workout kind of made my back feel better for a second. And it may have partially contributed to it. But those kind of things just start creeping up in my mind. So as we get further along, I kept having problems with that hand after surgery, like a year after. I went wait, to get a second opinion from another surgeon. Wait, wait. Can you hold that thought for a sec, Adam? Sure.
0: I'm just curious. like, um, You said you felt better the next day after you got in that confrontation with your brother.
1: Right.
0: Um, Do you think it's because you let out anger? You let it, you expressed it? Oh, no doubt. No um, doubt.
1: Yeah. Physically or like vocally? That I can't, that I'm not sure.
0: Right. It's just more that you weren't holding, you felt like you released something or... Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. All right. It's interesting.
1: Well, and and as as I go further a little further in this in the hand thing, um, I had the doctor the second opinion. I got. He told me that you know usually when someone has this surgery, they don't have reoccurring problems. Right. Then this doc, I went into this doctor with a list of questions that I want to ask him and I got all the questions out. I asked everything I wanted to ask him. And when he told me that, that kind of like resonated with me. So as a result, like I never even had a thought to, to worry about that particular problem with my hand. Now I've had other hand problems come up. But that chron- the tendonitis of that specific area of my hand, it really has not ever been an issue since I heard that doctor tell me that. And it's just these are the kind of moments that I go back to that I think there's a reason why this moment had this effect. You know, it, whether it be the symbolism in what happens or the release of the negative emotions It's, it's interesting. I just even, I've started writing them down just so I, you know, can get them out or I have them to refer back to because it's nice to have that reassurance that you're on the right, you're, you're moving in the right direction.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, was there anything else that, um, so you've been, you've been, um, looking up Ralph's website and, and Right. What other sources have been an inspiration to you?
1: Um, Besides the Facebook group, uh, book I read, I mean, it seems like there's little pieces out of all the books I read that I take and can partially be inspiring. But one, of the biggest one, I think, was uh, You Are the Placebo mm. by, by Joe Dispenza. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love that guy. Yeah. He's he's great. I had a, I had a uh, friend recommend, um, like an hour and a half long presentation that he gave, I think in Australia. And I watched the whole thing and it was awesome. It was so awesome that I had to go buy, you know, look up his books. and, And when I saw that you are the placebo, I was like, okay, that's right in my wheelhouse as far as what I need in the moment. And I just engulfed that book. And after I read that book, he referenced, um, he referenced the anatomy of an illness in it, which Ralph had also recommended Norman cousins. Yep. Norman cousins. So that book Mm. led to Norman cousins and, you know, it just seems like one book leads to another, right? You're going in, if you're in the flow (laughs) now, um, With the Joe Dispenza book,
0: is is there one nugget or a couple truths that you picked up from it that you feel really led to um, some kind of spiritual or psychological or physical relief in your body? Is there anything there that you could pinpoint some kind
1: of aha moment? I would have to say that scientifically, That book was huge because it it had to do with collapsing the waveforms and how our reality creates, our perception creates our reality. So as a result, like when he talks about um, at the atomic level how everything is made up of energy, when you're trying to observe an electron, you can only observe it in a specific point at a specific time and only if you're trying to observe it. So as a result, it's kind of like wherever you put your focus, the, the material world will deliver a result to you if you're looking for it. Right. Uh, when I when when I kind of looked at that, it was like, okay, it lined up emotionally and physically, two principles that I was trying to tie together in my mind you know i was like like it made me it, it made it, i was fully invested in the thought that i could change my body's physiology with my perception right right so is this the it was, double
0: slit experiment that you're talking about that Joe Dispenza was talking about which one the double slit experiment double slit yeah the the, the one where they throw electrons through to, right, fired at a wall, right. right, yeah,
1: yeah. I think it speaks to what is it like Schrodinger's cat,
0: right? Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, just to confirm,
1: right? Um, that's that's awesome, man. That's yeah. I love as, like, that. Really. And then there was just so many studies in there that kind of kind of illustrated how people's perception of you know what intention they put behind an action and how that intention changes their state of being. I mean, it was huge.
0: So how has this way of looking or this knowledge benefited you in your condition?
1: Um, gosh, a lot of different ways. (laughs) Um, you know, benefited me from the standpoint of, I can go through my day, And I can feel, like, give myself permission to feel okay, you know? Because if I go through my day and I sit there and I worry about whatever it is I supposedly have and, you know, how that's going to affect my future, it really takes me out of the moment. And when I can just kind of sit there and appreciate what's around me, I just enjoy the experiences so much more. And one thing that really is really big for me is exercising now. Yeah. You know, I've got this. It wasn't before I say say it again. It wasn't before you said now exercising now before exercise was looked at as like this thing that I had to do or or felt compelled to do to fix something like fix how you were feeling fix the pain oh yeah F- fix the pain fix something that was physically wrong with my body okay and so, and those kind of things and now it's something i do because it makes me feel empowered okay um so i would you know i do this specific stretch or that specific technique lifting or, or this physical therapy exercise and all of those things, they were kind of looked, I think they were looked at with a hint of resentment because I didn't specifically want to be doing those things. I just wanted to be better. Right. And I thought, okay, I got to do this to get better. But if I was better, I wouldn't have to do this. Right. You know, so it was like this struggle of like, okay, I got to go do it and, I've got to stay committed to it and I have to create a regimented schedule to do it. And none of that stuff was enjoyable. Right. So what
0: changed? What switched that? What switched it to uh, how you're looking at it
1: now? That was, that was um, Sarno's book healing. That was yeah. Cause I mean, once you, once you go through all the back conditions that people have, or or, are diagnosed with and you realize that there's a doctor out there who has seen all these different things and seen them with people with pain and seen them in people without pain. Hmm. And as a result, you know, you make the connection that just because, um, just because I believe that this thing is going to cause me pain, it doesn't have to. And as a result, then you can go out and enjoy physical exercise without some underlying voice in your head saying, you know, this might hurt or this could be damaging. You might do damage to yourself. I I mean, since I've done that, I've been, you know, going to the park and doing front hand springs. I mean, that doesn't seem like something that. (laughs) coming with a chronic back condition should be doing people should not be doing front handsprings, but I do that now just because a, I enjoy gymnastics. I, and I did that when I was really young and it's just, it just feels so good. Like you feel so empowered when you can do stuff like that and know that you're going to be okay.
0: That is incredible. Now that was going to be my next question. Like you, did you start to go back to forms of exercise that you knew you enjoyed for you rather than, Oh, i got to do this specific stretch because my doctor or something said that that helps with inflammation in the back or something.
1: Right. Yeah. Like, um, like biking now, I stopped riding my bike for a long time just because I was afraid that it was putting me in flexion. So like I have really tight hip flexors, really, really tight hip flexors. And, I kind of attributed to like, you know, putting my weight on my hands or my elbows because I have those little uh pads on your handlebars that you can put. I I kind of like had attributed that to putting some stress on my upper back. And so I stopped riding the bike for a long time. And you know, also with some hip problems there too. I was kind of apprehensive about you know, putting a lot of strain on my hips. But once I came to this realization, I was like, you know what, I can start riding my bike again. And it kind of bothered me a little bit at first, but I just attributed that to the association that I had, like, you know, I've had this habitual pattern of doing this thing and getting this result, but it doesn't have to be that way anymore. So I just kept riding my bike and kept riding my bike. And now I ride for like 45 minutes and usually I feel pretty good. The next day. And that's really fun too because I enjoy I enjoy the freedom that my bike gives me to go around town and not have to stay within the confines of the roads. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh that that is that's awesome.
0: Okay, so you said mind frame some of the stuff you learned from Joe Dispenza, yep. uh, Norman Cousins, Ralph and then this new way of looking at exercising right is there is there anything else like there must be other things is there anything else that comes to mind that you picked up from these books or regimes that you do is there how you live your life now like is there a regime you do now to keep healthy or any mantras you say anything like that or
1: um Gosh, you know, I haven't really tried to put a whole lot of structure to it yet because it's really new. I mean, I just I just discovered Dispenza and Ralph and Sarno and all this stuff at the beginning of the year. Uh, to, like in January or something. Yeah, January. January. <laughs> and, I, I had, and, yeah, I mean, one thing I do sometimes think about is how much is this going to matter when I'm dead? Or like how much am I going to care about this when I'm dead? If I'm starting to stress about something, oh, if you're starting to stress, right? If I'm starting to stress, i like, you just and I can't remember what book it was that I read, but it was well before I got in all this stuff. But it was a nice comforting thought: was imagine yourself lying in your coffin, and just like get into that state of being, <laughs> and and then ask yourself. How much, if you're, if you have a specific thing you're stressing about, how much am I going to care in this moment about that thing that I'm yeah. worried about? And it's just like, that. so it's, I guess, kind of a mantra. <laughs> a yeah. Referral point.
0: Absolutely. That's amazing. So would you say after you started, after you discovered these websites and, uh, the books that your health has improved like since January?
1: Yeah. Oh, no doubt.
0: No doubt. No
1: doubt. Um, I had a lot of like, so the stress created a lot of stomach issues for me. Okay. And my digestion wasn't the best. I never really got to the point where I felt like i I needed to, seek out something as far as Western medicine, you know, is concerned, you know, drugs or whatever. I mean, I, in full disclosure, do be listening. I take Humira right now. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to throw all this stuff out there and, and, uh, try and say that I'm good to go completely. 100%. No drugs, no nothing. But right. my experience with that is I didn't, really um notice a huge difference once I started taking it I noticed a little difference but I still experienced flare-ups and stomach issues and different uh if you want to call them arthritis type things happening in my joints and hands I noticed a little bit of improvement but not enough to where I was like ready to um stop pursuing a better a better right. solution i guess
0: okay right 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 so what it what is humera is that a biologic yeah okay wow all right and um how long have you
1: been on it um for gosh what is it probably about 2 years Two years. Okay.
0: So you had a you had a year and a half before you started um you know, before you found the websites and all that and started reading those books. Right, so you had right. a lot of experience with it. Yeah. And you've noticed a big change since then. Oh, absolutely. And is it a goal of yours, would you say, or is it an interest or something to consider about maybe working your way off of Humera.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's in my mind, it's a future reality. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, Over- I'm slowly stepping into that future reality. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow.
0: That's really exciting. We definitely, definitely have to uh, catch up later on about that and see how things go with that, you know, six right. months or a year. That would be wicked.
1: Right. right.
0: It'd be really exciting, but you noticed a huge difference, and that's that's what's amazing and it's amazing that you were experiencing so experiencing inflammation
1: while you were on it and then now and my doctor wanted me to try other things and add things to it, so there was an instance where I was having a hand problem, you know another flare up in my wrist, whatever, mm-hmm. and went to a you know I wanted to, like, feel like I could get over this on my own, but I broke, you know, I kind of, like, whatever, broke down or decided to go to the doctor, and we talked about it, and he wanted to add something else, and this is, like, right in the midst of discovering um, discovering these new methods, and as I continued to educate myself, I told, you know, I kind of got into this state of mind where I was, like, this is emotional. And with patience, it's going to go away, and I have to trust that I'm going to be okay. So rather than starting another medication, yeah, I just got, in, got my mindset to the point where I was going to be okay, and I was going to be patient enough to give it a chance, and eventually it went away. And that felt really, really good, too. Because now I don't feel like I have to be dependent on something else to yeah solve, to solve my problem. I can I can be dependent on my inner strength, if you will, uh-huh. to solve certain problems. So far, more empowering. Yeah, it's it's just. I mean, it's been. It's weird to say. It's been like the best half year of my life. and so I'm excited for
0: the second half yeah yeah I think that's so amazing that you were able to to get so much um so much relief or so to have so so much benefit um just by uh, reading these books and and um reading the articles on Facebook or through Ralph
1: or whoever else
0: Oh yeah, communities.
1: Well, I mean, it's it's just like this reoccurring theme that the the real difference is made inside of you. Like, like um, you can look for something outside of yourself to solve your problems, and I, and I don't want to say you know that you can do it by yourself because I don't believe that at all. I believe that you need people to help guide you, show you the way. Um, and that's kind of one of the things that got me in trouble was the mentality that I could do everything by myself. Right. But at the end of the day, the, the change still comes from within no matter you know what you do. The, the, it's that internal sense of, I'm gonna be okay, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. Those thoughts just, it was. I, I met a guy who helped. He helped me because I had a lot of anxiety over certain issues in my life, okay. and he kept telling me that you can figure. Like you are the answer, more or less. You are the answer to your own problems, and once you take accountability, responsibility for that, for that concept, I guess, and fully embrace that, it's on you. You've got to make it. You have to. You have to take ownership of the problem or what's going on if you truly want to change it because otherwise you're just going to blame everybody else.
0: Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a main theme in a course I'm taking right now, actually on on creating a podcast. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm taking a course through real. I don't know if you know what that is, but, uh, and one of the main themes in the course is, is extreme extreme ownership. So, what is what's his name? Jacko? Yeah, Jacko. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, my, goes, my
1: buddy loves him.
0: Right. He's wicked. He's awesome. And it's so sobering because if anything goes wrong, well, first he says good and <laughs> take ownership for it. So you solve it. You, you look for a way to make it, um, you know, to, to make it better, you know? So in the course, if any, if I don't get anything, how how can I solve it without putting the blame on someone else? You know?
1: Yeah. It's a really interesting concept because when you think about that, it becomes very, very easy to be aware of your thoughts then in those moments, because I mean, you start blaming people really fast <laughs> and and once you take that mindset, you can realize, oh, there I go again. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it really puts you in the driver's seat, doesn't it? Yeah. And then you just got to deal with those emotions. Right. As far as like, okay, well, why am I blaming? You know, it's like. It, yeah. And, and, you know, I'm no, I'm no expert on on these subjects, but yeah. there's just a lot, a lot of different connections you can make between it all.
0: Journey, um, did you get into uh any Buddhist books, like any Eckhart
1: Tolle or anything like that? I'm just kind of discovering some of that stuff. i I've been kind of big on meditation and Buddhist philosophy since my early 20s. Uh once I philosophy was my favorite class in college. And and I really enjoy the Buddhist philosophy, um, but Hadn't kind of immersed myself in it, and I'm starting to a little bit more. One thing that I did take was I got a what was a Udemy course by uh, a Buddhist nun. I think her name is Pima Chidron. I, I'm probably not pronouncing that right correctly at all, but she talked about the process of meditation and how it's designed to help calm the thinking mind. And and that's been really good for me because I kind of use one mantra that I do like to use. If if we want to get back to mantras, is that uh, am I am I about to act or speak from a place of negative emotion? Hmm. And you know, trying to be aware and conscious of what my thoughts are, and are they coming from a place of positive emotion or negative emotion? Because I've seen in my work in my work environment and I have, maybe I should apply it to every environment, but uh, I've seen that a negative thought pattern has led me to a behavior or saying something that comes from a place is trying to avoid, you know, that negative emotion. And as a result, it usually, um Usually, I would say carnage ensues <laughs> if you will,, right. and I noticed that things just got a little bit harder because I went down this habitual pattern, this ritual yielded me something that maybe i didn 't have to deal with if I could have been a bit more aware of what was going yeah. on in the moment, so right.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you're certainly functioning from, like, a greater awareness.
1: Um, (laughs) And that that just kind of, like, it's almost like with AS, it forces it upon you. Wow. That's amazing, man. That's an incredible realization. Wow. Would Would you consider AS to be, like, a kind of a teacher then yeah i mean i think it's a guidance system Hmm. when your emotions are expressing themselves in your body physically physiologically i mean it's kind of like okay what what's going on and i should probably be listening yeah so definitely a teacher definitely i mean it's just like what was the book I read a long time ago? Uh, not, not super long, but probably a couple of years ago. David and Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell. And the theme of that book was looking at what are perceived to be disadvantages and how they can turn out to be advantageous and what are looked at as advantages and how they can be disadvantageous right um, one, one example from the book was you know if you have a lot of money parenting should be easy the truth of the matter is well if you have a lot of money it's really hard to be a parent because your kids have grow up with a sense of entitlement and they don't have to work for things and mm. and so rich parents are really what we think is an advantage turns out to be a disadvantage and on the flip side of it with uh a lot of Um, kind of self-made entrepreneurs. Turns out a lot of them have, I think, dyslexia. So they couldn't read in school as well as everybody else. So they had to figure out different ways to get through school, whether it be through relationships or, you know, other methods. And they ended up translating those skills into the real world. And they end up becoming successful Because they developed all these other skills that are turn out to be more important than than reading. So when I when I read that book, it was like, okay, how how can I look at whatever is going on in me, which is a perceived disadvantage, and could this possibly be an advantage?
0: Yeah. So how has AS been an advantage in your in your life? Can you say Um, that? Yeah. What is it?
1: I'm sorry. What has it taught you it's it's taught me to be more sensitive to to um, the emotional tone in in a room because i I grew up with this strong kind of avoidance mentality when it came to certain certain negative emotions um, I think grief was one of them and I never really was anybody that you'd want to talk to if you had a loved one die. Because I, I was, I probably tried to deal with it with humor or sarcasm or, you know, something that was not particularly sensitive to the other person's emotional state. Right. As a result, what's that? You were afraid to confront. Yeah, negative that that negativity. I, I was I just wanted to be happy, you know. it's was like, can't we just be all be happy all the time? <laughs> and that life doesn't work like that. And and so I've become. I feel like I've become much more sensitive to other people's emotional needs, and it's a new thing, uh, you know. And it's it's a learning process still because it's new to me. Yeah. Yeah, I understand.
0: I have a question, Adam. I was wondering would you consider yourself or in the past um Yeah, thank you for reframing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Were you considered would you, would you have considered yourself to be um like a nice guy?
1: Oh, wow. No. No, okay. I mean, it depends. It, it, it kind of depended situationally, but I probably, I probably, I can I can remember myself vocalizing often that I was not a nice guy. Okay. To other people. You know? Let me let
0: me ask. Uh, when you used to get angry. Um, on average. Would would that energy go inward or outward? Just out of curiosity,
1: I want to say for a long time it went outward.
0: It did, okay. It
1: did, but you know, as society or outside influences start to start to um, persuade you other ways, it's it started to go more inward. Like I, I didn't act on specific impulses, if you will. Right. Rather than dealing with them some way, I can definitely, definitely see them going inward. Um, Because a lot of, you know, I I used to get in a lot of arguments with people, (laughs) lots of arguments with people. And were were you an angry dude? Well, I always consider myself somewhere in there. To be inherently happy. Great, it's, but in, I don't know if the needing to be right, okay, kind of got me into this mode of anger, where <laughs> I, if someone didn't see my point or if I could, if we couldn't come to an agreement, anger was a mode in which I defaulted to. All right, and, and I could see relationships. I see how it has negatively impacted relationships in the past and where I really couldn't build relationships very well because I was always needing to be right. And if I wasn't, I was I got angry, and that just shut down any connection that I had with other people. And I then developed this uh I developed this wall of selfishness, if you will. Like, oh, I don't need I don't need their approval. I don't need them to like me. You know, I can be, you know, whoever I want to be, I can be angry and, and be okay. Right. I, can, I can be argumentative and be okay. But that was just a little, a wall that I was throwing up to not let people in or that. Well, that's how it resulted.
0: Okay. That's interesting.
1: And would you, would you
0: say that that was a part of or related to AS in any way? That being need, the need to be right, and that the anger that was around that?
1: You know, I haven't thought about that too much, I don't think. That might be... Just curious, just curious. Right. Yeah,
0: I'm not saying I think it is. I'm, I mean, it doesn't really I, matter. But I'm just
1: curious what you
0: think. But yeah, if you haven't thought of it, then yeah. you haven't
1: thought of it. That's cool. The need to be right, causing anger, causing AS. I think it I think it's it definitely causes TMS. TMS, okay. Sure. Yeah. I, I honestly think that my ass was more a result of unprocessed grief. Okay. For you specifically. Yeah. Uh, I had some, you know, and that came into the whole loved ones. I wasn't specifically dealing with a loved one dying, but I was experiencing the, I was experiencing an idea that I had dying and I was kind of grieving that idea. Hmm. And that's, I specifically remember my AS and symptoms specifically coming in, to my experience when I was going through this process of grieving the idea. The idea of you dying? No, the idea that somebody else could take my pain or take my pain away. And it was, I, I, I went around with this belief that, um, that I could heal myself or I could, I could relieve the pain through a romantic relationship. Oh, wow. Okay. So, ah. I mean, this took a long time for me to really connect the dots on this. But, cause I started having the TMS stuff in my early twenties. And one of my coping mechanisms was to go seek out romantic relationships. Cause it's like, it was like, this sucks. Like life sucks like this. So, I got to find something to enjoy. Yeah. So, I went down that trail and eventually I got into a romantic relationship and when when that idea when it, once I came to the realization that that idea wasn't working, I started I think I started to grieve that idea because the relationship I was in was deteriorating and and as and at the at the same moment the same time frame that really major events were happening inside of this relationship that's when i started waking up with this like tightness in my upper back and and uh that it just kind of got worse and worse and worse and I wanted to ignore it. I didn't want to go to the doctor. I just want to be like, this will go away. <laughs> this will go away. And I kept telling myself that, you know, I've seen the, I've seen doctors enough. I don't need to go back to them because they never tell me what's right. They never, they never seem to know what's really going on. Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They're not dialed into that kind of stuff. Typically.
0: Um, wow. Okay. This is really fascinating, man. Like, it, like, Okay, um, speaking with anyone with this condition, me have or had it as well or whatever you want to call it, um, it's <laughs> incredible. What
1: I like to say is what I, what I, when, I, when that issue comes up, I like to say someone if, – if I was talking about you to somebody else, I would say I'm, I'm doing a podcast with a guy who has had a similar experience as to my own. <laughs> I don't I don't like to say the had word or have or any of that stuff anymore.
0: Yeah, that's cool, man. That's cool. Yeah, similar experience. That really clears that up. Thanks, man. <laughs> that's a good way to say it for sure. Yeah, in a similar boat, without a doubt, man. Um uh, is there anything anything else? Like we gotta tie tie it up pretty soon, but is there anything else that you've learned or advice that you have more for yourself perhaps in the
1: past that you'd like to share like if I was going to give myself advice my, my yeah. past self advice yeah uh probably two things, trust your intuition, you know, like if you feel a certain way, I mean, there's a reason for it. You know, feelings are not something to be dismissed. Um, What would the other one be? I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's
0: the most important one. Huge, man. That's huge. I'm I'm learning about that myself,
1: big time. And uh, it's, it's it's a process too. It's not like, you know, talking to you, I'm getting all like amped up and excited and happy and, and feeling great. Uh, you know, even though I'm talking about things that I didn't necessarily feel that way about at the time, but like this is re-energizing. Yeah. It I also like. I have to understand that there's going to be times in the future where I, I'm not always on this wavelength and not to let myself get caught up and, and let it uh, send me into a, a tailspin, if you will. Like there's, right. there's light at the end of the tunnel and that might be something else I would tell my old self too. Yeah. You can let some of that stuff go. Uh huh.
0: That's great advice. Um, thank you so much, Adam.
1: Thanks for being the number one on the podcast. That's <laughs> pretty- <laughs> Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. I was a little bit apprehensive just because, you know, I never met you and Absolutely. I just tried to look at it as an opportunity and I hope that I could help you and help anybody that is going to listen to this just to, you know, stay positive and keep at it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would, man. I, I
0: know that a long time ago I would have died to have had a resource like this to even listen to someone else who has gone through a similar experience and you know what, what has helped them, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, maybe uh, perhaps we could check in in like six months or a year and see what's going on with you. If you'd be right. To- I would totally welcome that. Right on. Okay, man. Well, I'm going to stop recording, so uh, a real pleasure. Yeah, thank you. You got it.